This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives, their careers, and navigating those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry-Phipps, and with me, looking slender and warm, is Jim Daly. (laughs) (laughs) Slender and warm. Not that you're describing a drink, not a person. Yeah. But uh, I'll take it. That's lovely. That's a very nice compliment. Um, I'm warm because I've got my, my bench jacket on because we're currently right in the midst of, of Storm Eunice. I know this is going to go out in a couple yes. of weeks, but Storm Eunice is currently... Um, so last week on the pod, it was Storm Dudley, and then this week it's Storm Eunice. And I got confused. I thought they were the same storm, but I've been categorically no, told mm. by my mother-in-law they are different storms. But Storm Eunice is making herself known. It's very blustery up here in blustery Buckinghamshire. No, no particular damage yet, but I think tonight it's going to be bad i think is it blustery down there where you are it's to be fair it's always windy right yeah now. yeah to be fair you're right by the sea so you just don't know the difference yeah, it's just, just a constant sea and wind. storm yeah so oh it's windy is it oh okay <laughs> you don't know wind until you live down in yeah exactly uh yeah when we used to live in this flat and they were, and literally the flat had a wind tunnel like when you came out of the front door <laughs> the, this because there was a pie bank opposite and then the main road over the another over the top of another bank and it was just a wind tunnel used to shoot through so i'm used to storms basically it's just like 100 mile an hour wings nothing mate. nothing mate my school had a wind tunnel actually as well and i don't know if it's just a very sort of 80s or 70s design sort of thing but yeah with a big wind tunnel which didn't didn't really serve a purpose i'm not not sure where i sort of went from the main hall down to i guess like the the a level building or but uh yeah, on particularly cold winters mm. days, oh, it was nasty. Yeah. Very nasty. Yeah, it was bad, bad architecture. But uh, it did, um, <laughs> yeah, it did get the, did sort of blow away the cobwebs, which is, you know. That's true. That's very, yeah, if you're half asleep on a, on a Monday morning. Well, I was thinking yeah. if you're at school and you're, yeah, yeah, it's like, what can we do to wake these students up? Let's yeah, create sure a natural to- wind tunnel. 
short of like spraying them in the face of water, which yeah. we're not legally allowed to do, let's uh, yeah, let's just blow some wind in their face. Mm. Which were it did work to be fair, it did work. Yeah. Um, anyway, how are you? I'm all right, thanks, man. Apart from the wind, um, yeah. yeah, I'm 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 very. Pleasant. That sounds like you got wind issues yourself. Yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like I've eaten eating too much roughage. <laughs> roughage. <laughs> Never heard it described that before. Well, that's, that's lovely. That's what they call. That's what they used to call fibre, wasn't it? You have enough roughage. Have some prunes. <laughs> Never heard that, but I like it. Mm. I like it a lot. We used to I, uh, prunes. We used to. My grandparents used to always have a tin of prunes in the cupboard, which were. They were used well, to eat a lot of prunes. Good for digestion, I think, prunes, aren't well, they? Well, they, yeah, they are. They're always good for roughage. Um, <laughs> but we used to have it with semolina, which we talked about in the previous pod with Leonie Labesh. It was a it yeah. was a it was a sort of dessert, more like rice pudding, and you'd have they'd shove a few prunes in it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a, a normal thing or if that's just us. Sem- semolina seems to come up quite a lot on the on the podcast. It does, yeah. <laughs> It was nice. I used to quite like it, but the prunes, you know, they're acquired taste. They're quite rich when they're when they've been um, tinned in syrup. They can be quite, um, yeah, it's quite a rich kind of fruit to go down with a big semolina. No, our family are weird. I think we used to eat. <laughs> yeah. Sponsored by prunes. Ah, <laughs> oh, just brought me back to some some. I was going to say fond memories, but I don't think they were fond. No, just memories. Just memories. Just memories. Yeah. Anyway. Talking of yeah. fond memories, um, yeah. I had a lot of fond memories talking to our guest today because it's the wonderful Des Dennis, yeah. and I, I got to reminisce about a couple of things. That, you know, me and my brother used to watch his laughter show with Justin G. Um, yeah. It was kind of my, fir- I guess, my first into comedy and, and doing impersonations, and I used to sort of mimic him and Dustin G and the various impersonations they used to do of people of the day, and. Also, this Royal Variety performance, which we had on VHS, and I think it was from 1984, and it was a, it was when Royal Variety performances were quite good, and people used to watch them, <laughs> um, and they had quite good acts on it. I mean, it was quite. I remember there was a really good juggler on it. There was this kid; he must have been about eight years old. They, they'd, flo- they'd flown him over from California oh. or something, and um, he was amazing at juggling. Like, incredible! Wow. He could juggle like twelve buttons. You know, the little skittle wow. things that they throw up in the air. Uh, he was incredible. Anyway, I remember this, and they had all these weird sketches. But um, Les Dennis and Dustin G were on it, and they did a, a load of impersonations. And it was very funny. And some of them were just something that um, Les had actually forgotten about, which was which was nice to remind <laughs> him of, was some of the facial kind of ex- impressions they do. It wasn't voices. It was just kind of yeah. um, physical comedy. Yeah. I, it's, just, it's a very nice, like, chatting to someone who is... is, is... Yeah, fair to say, a bit of an icon, I think, of sort of British comedy and mm. entertainment. You know, the, the various guises when he's gone from sort of you know stand up to TV to theatre and and now film. Got a film coming out, mm. and and I think it's um, but it's nice to to talk to someone who is happy to indulge that and happy to go back and talk about it. And it was very just chatty and open and 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 really lovely and very easy to talk to. Um, and and he's talked about some of the sadder times of his career when things have been tougher, mm. and we appreciate guests doing that and some lovely anecdotes as well. So it's, it's um it's a real sort of trip down memory lane this one, but but ironically with someone who is very forward thinking actually and always looking to diversify and, and and looking for the next gig. So um yeah, just a very lovely, really lovely chat with with as I say, an icon of British TV, mm. um and but just a lovely guy. Yeah, and I think probably someone I've I've kind of grown up 
watching, like I say, from, from those sort of late 80s comedy shows through to Family Fortunes, which we kind of all watched on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, when we're back in the days when we only have four channels. Uh, and... Yeah, and then obviously through to extras and stuff, which is which were very iconic roles that he's played, uh, and then now he's doing lots of musical theatre, which is wonderful. So, like you say, someone who keeps diversifying, changing. He said in the podcast about turning left, making left turns, um, yeah. and and I think that's you know that's really important for creatives to do that. You know, keep looking to try new things and different things. And obviously, he talked about imposter syndrome, something that he's suffered from over many years, but yet he still keeps trying new things and. And putting himself yeah. in the line of fire, if you like. So, um, you know, fair play to Les for for having such a incredibly long career. I think quite inspiring in the way that that uh, you know, he's talking about reviews back in the past and 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 using them as sort of fuel to keep going. And that resilience, which comes up a lot on the podcast of sort of performers, then um, yeah, an inspiring chat with with as you say, someone we all grew up watching in various guises. Um, but yeah, very easy chat as well. So it was uh, it was great. I'm sure our listeners yeah. are going to enjoy it. And the extra content at the end, ah. uh, which is really interesting about... Uh, should we say what it's about? Well, I could say it's quite apt because it's extra content on extras. It's on extras. <laughs> so let's talk about when he's on extras, uh, the, the Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant show. Um, and yeah, talking about sort of getting that script through. And uh, yeah, so if you're a fan of that show or you just want extra content in general, do sign up at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash blank podcast. We've got an extra bit from Les on Extras um, and all our guests every week. A little bit of extra content for our patrons. Absolutely. I've got a message here from Charlottetel on Apple. She's given us a little review. She says, refreshingly natural. Love the concept about blank. Blank things not being perfect and leaving it out there. So thank you, Giles and Jim. That's a very nice message. That is a lovely message and very much sums up the podcast, I think. Beautifully encapsulated. Mm. Uh, and speaking of leaving it all out there, should we just leave that? We're going to leave the Les episode out there now. Yes. So this is the one and only Les Dennis on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, lovely to see you, Les. Honestly, real pleasure to have you on. Um, no, it's, been a big it's fan of you for many years. I was just saying to Jim beforehand, I've been reminiscing, going and look at, <laughs> watching some of your laughter show shows, which I grew oh. up. Me and my brother grew up watching. You know, on. Oh, that's um, lovely. Yeah, and I used to. I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Actually, I used to get dragged out when they were when the. My dad used to have people around for dinner. I used to get dragged yeah. out of bed to come and perform, <laughs> come and perform impersonations. Oh, in front really? Of, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. And and they were often mimicked from 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 that show. You know, um, yeah. Dustin did great. a did a great Clouseau, which I used to try and do. And um, yeah, and then and yeah. obviously you're Mavis Riley. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, okay, uh, great. Obviously, you were born in Liverpool. You grew up there. Yes. Was was uh, was performing arts or, or drama or, or or going into comedy ever a thought in your earlier life? Was that something that you kind of did from a young age? I did it from uh, probably about 11 when we went to Butlin's uh, Patheli mm. for our... We, we, working class Liverpool, we didn't have a holidays until we got to about seven when my dad won the pools. He won 200 quid. Oh, amazing. On Little Woods pools, which was a lot of money. And we kind of carpeted the house, um, bought a cocktail cabinet for some bizarre reason, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which was, was always full of, um, you know, just the... But all the all the rubbish was just 
put into it. And I think there was one bottle of Stone's ginger wine. And also, apart from that, we uh, we we had a week of bottling Patheli. And the junior talent competition, um, I uh, entered, or rather, I went for the audition for the first one and uh, didn't get in and cried. And my mum said, there's always next year. And I was like, devastated. What a whole year. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the next year when we went again, um, I got into the talent competition and I came third doing impressions of Freddie Parrot Face Davis, who um, <laughs> oh, I don't know with you. He, he used to kind of um, pull a bowler hat on his head and, and say about it. I went into this um, pet shop. I said, hey, paraphrase, paraphrase, I'm slick, slick, slick up to here. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's, he's just, funnily enough, he's just done um, my time capsule oh, with Mike Fenton. Oh, with Mike, yes. Yeah. Because he's also he 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 was a, a comedian and an uh, an actor. He was in Funny Bones, uh, the wonderful film with Lee Evans and Jerry Lewis. So yeah, that was that was the beginning for me. Um, and my mum encouraged me because she'd had a chance when she was a kid. She auditioned, or rather, she didn't audition. She went to the um, Liverpool Empire one afternoon and shouted because there was a guy called Carol Levis who did Carol Levis Discoveries. It was a talent show on the radio. Um, and he they were auditioning there, and she shouted through the stage door, paging Carol Levis, paging Carol Levis, which was the beginning <laughs> of the show. And he came out and said, if you're... If your um, talent matches your guts and your wit, <laughs> come back this afternoon, you get an audition. And she went home and her mum said, no, you start on the bobbins works tomorrow. So she couldn't, she had to go to work. Aww. So, um, uh, yeah, so she she encouraged me and that was uh, that was it. I, I think watching um, Sunday night uh, uh, live at the Palladium was the show that we all sat down as a family and watched. And I just loved all the comics and... Um, Jimmy Tarwick was the host of it, and he was from Liverpool. So I thought maybe there's a chance of this, you know. So you, yeah, fun. you got that performing side from your mum, then that was obviously sort of yeah, passed down. I think so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, it's kind of passed down on now onto my niece, um, Jody McNee, um, is does a lot at the RSC and at the um, at the Globe and the National. She's she's gone the. Uh, She's gone the, the straight route. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering between, you know, obviously you, that first year you went to Butlins, you didn't, yeah. you didn't get through. And then the third year, the second year, rather, you, 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 you'd improved and you got a, a yeah. place. How, did you, were you practicing in between? Did you, did you give yourself a bit of a target? I'm good. This time next year, I'm going to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my mum said, let's go away and let's, you know, let's work out and get an act together. So, you know, we put a little um, spot together. Um, and then after that year, when I won my little silver cup, my little butlin silver cup for coming third, um, I, I then remember that at 14, I could go into the adult competition and I went into the adult competition and won that. Uh, and then w the prize was a week uh, at the holiday camp at the end of the season to go into the area finals because the big final was um, at the Palladium. It was the People oh, wow. National Talent Competition and it was a thousand pounds. So all the um, all the professional acts in the Northwest would go to Butlins and try and get yeah. through to this position. In fact, I was, I was in in the area finals with a, a double act called the Harper Brothers, and they were um, they later became Cannon and Ball. Oh, so um, oh, yeah, wow. and, and and they didn't win, and I didn't win, and somebody <laughs> um, I think Stan Boardman eventually won that thousand pounds. Yeah, 
one year. Wow. It's nice to have. It comes up a lot on the podcast, actually, that when people are sort of starting out, yeah, whether they're very young or a bit older, there's always a sort of a mentor figure or some support and stuff. And it's nice yeah. that you had that support from your mum to sort of yeah. help you nurture that, even though you're quite young at that time. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, she was great because, you know, whenever I, I started doing the working men's clubs while I was still at school and wow. when I would go along and maybe if I, you know, I was I was. 17 I had an act together and sometimes I did well and sometimes I struggled if I struggled she'd get up and belt out a couple of numbers oh, she, really? she had a really good voice and um and and her speciality was birth of the blues and bizarrely my Yiddish mama we weren't Jewish but she loved I think she loved the, the story the drama of this song yeah. my Yiddish mama I love them I need her more than ever now and she'd sing <laughs> this away and and bring the house down so um yeah, so she she could rescue me sometimes, and she drove me round. She had um she had a car, you know. Uh, my dad was like never drove, and he was always like, "What what do we want a car for?" And my mum said, "I'm getting a car," and she. She put together a little um, a money box and it said mum's car box. And we all laughed at her because she was putting pennies and sixpences and threepenny pieces in your old money and um, eventually got 400 quid together and got herself a little Morris 1100 that she drove me around the clubs in. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I-, I would love my mum to come up on stage when I'm struggling at stand-up gigs. <laughs> Unfortunately, she is not a great singer. So I think it probably made the situation much worse. Help. Yeah. <laughs> help. But that's lovely. That's really yeah yeah it was nice it was nice and sorry she didn't kind of she didn't see any of the success i mean she kind of but she believed it she knew i was going to be all right whereas my dad was like get a proper job he 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 didn't think that anybody from working class liverpool could do could go on stage and be in in theaters and, and and do well he didn't think that was possible for us um he'd been on the docks and then he'd worked as a as a bookie um and so he he just thought that it wasn't possible. But then my mum, when it started to happen, like I did Opportunity Knocks at 17. Um, so she saw that and then she saw me on New Faces. So she saw the beginnings of it, but she didn't see the real success. So, um, yeah, but she knew it she, she, in her heart. She knew I was going to be all right. She, she believed in you. And I think she believed, you know, yeah, we, that's yeah. kind of all we need sometimes is someone it is. believing yeah, in us. Absolutely. It gives us that kind of... Um, that validation that we're doing something yeah, that we yeah, really, exactly. really love. Yeah. Well, I was thinking going back to those working man's clubs that you worked, were, were some of those crowds quite unforgiving? I mean, you were young, so you'd, yeah. you'd like to think that people would be quite fair to you, but like, yeah. were there some difficult times? That there, playing some there, I, I, there were some difficult times. Like, you know, I remember doing my first week in the Northeast and everybody said, you'll find it really difficult because for some reason, up in the northeast in Newcastle and Durham and and um, you know uh, New, uh, Sunderland, they they would have entertainment in their clubs every night, so they got kind of used to it. They yeah. expected it. It wasn't. Whereas sometimes, if I was going to a working men's club on a Saturday night, it was the one night of the week where people got together and they were mm-hmm. excited. But in the in the northeast, they got they got it got it you know every night. And and I remember one. Uh, noon show in a place called Washington. Um, uh, it, was, it was a club called the White House in Washington, um, <laughs> up, up in the Northeast. And I remember walking on to a sea of uh, guys sitting there, kind of like miners um, sitting there in with with the news of the world when it was big as well. Sat in, with it right up in front of them, and then kind of all like 
as I walked on, putting the papers down, looking, and then going back to oh, their papers. No. You know, kind of. I think it became a little goading trick. And and yeah. if you if you then got them to put their papers down, you felt you'd done really well. You know, I remember. Yeah. One night I'm um, doing a, a club um, uh, and I was doing impressions of Frank Spencer and, and whoever. And um, and it was a, a an all men um, darts presentation. I think I emptied the room in about 10 minutes because, you know, and I, but I, I had this reputation. Um, other comics used to call me Bronco because I'd stay on. I'd oh. stay on. For the <laughs> and that became my, the comics name for me. And, um, and I remember I stayed on because I thought, well, I don't get paid if I don't stay on and I'd work to you know a few people who were I thought enjoying it even though I'd emptied the room and I remember the concert secretary then getting into his little booth and saying come off Bonnie lad don't punish yourself <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, they they could be yeah they could be they could be good but if you had a good night in those clubs you really felt validated you thought wow I've you know I've done well here you're That's always a- as good as your as your last gig This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment, Charles? Well, recently, Jim, I've had a little break from social media and it's been very nice and good bit of self-care and finding myself doing things that I enjoy doing more. I think that's a good way uh, of practising self-care. So this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everybody else does. And therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Yeah, I've I've had therapy sort of on and off counselling, which is a form of therapy over the last oh, five or six years now. And it is a really good way to show up for yourself, as they say. Check in with how you're getting on. And obviously talking to someone we know from talking on this podcast, talking to people, especially professionals, really does help with whatever you're going through. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Blank Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash blank. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash blank. That's such a... That, uh... The 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 Geordie accent is such a lovely sort of um, friendly calming accent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it big is, back, yeah. backhanded, not even a compliment. It's a big slap, <laughs> no, but a lovely, yeah, yeah. A lovely accent. Yeah, exactly. Don't punish yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I loved I love the uh, the Bronco nickname. That's great because I do think that that performance is sort of like fifty percent talent and fifty percent just persistence. Yeah, and just yeah. you just keep going because you keep know it's going to get yeah. better and you're going to get better. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and uh, you, you are as good as your last show and. and if you start worrying about that, then you'll give up. So, you know, something, even when I had bad nights, you know, made me want to go back and try again and, and improve. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, so from from doing that, from the club shows and stuff, when what was your next kind of step? Was obviously that was something in you then that you felt this is what I want to do long term, yeah. and you did um, yeah. new faces and and um, um, sorry, I've got the name of it now. Um, opportunity, knocks. opportunity knocks. Of course, yeah, sorry, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those obviously gave you that platform to then go forward a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, having said that, when I did Opportunity Knocks, I think uh, my agent got a call from people cancelling me. <laughs> I wasn't too good on that show, uh, but New Faces certainly. Um, that's when it started to um, pick up for me. I got a full time agent, and when I left school, I started as a professional entertainer. I've never done a proper job. I had a um, a Saturday job in Burton's, um, and that was the only in in retail. That's the only kind of job other than um, entertainment jobs I've ever done. So um, yeah, I, I I started then paying my. Duty. I started working 52 weeks a year where you, when you could, you could go around the cabaret clubs, uh, the working men's club circuit, summer season. Um, eventually I did Panto and that Panto was with Russ Abbott and that then got me um, kind of, I, I started working with him as a comedy feed um, on those stage shows. And then um, I got into the Russ Abbott Madhouse. So it was a, it was a good 10 years um let me see. I, I got into Russ's show in 1982, so I was 29. Mm. So from, you know, it was a good 10, um, 12 years yeah. of just going around, paying my dues, working, you know, learning a craft. Um, I did I, my first summer season I got with Jimmy Tarbuck, the guy that I had watched on the telly and wanted to be yeah. uh, in 1978. And he was amazing. He kind of like taught me stagecraft, how to walk on stage, how to hold a microphone, how to take a bow, all those things. He was very encouraging. You know, he'd been to, I'd been to the same school that he'd been to, um, which was Quarry Bank where John Lennon had gone. Yeah, wow. And um, so, and his dad was a bookie. My dad worked for a bookie. So he kind of saw some parallels mm. and, he, and he looked after me. Yeah. Um, that's, I think a lot of people that maybe aren't in the entertainment industry or, or, or performing maybe think sometimes if someone comes through, they're sort of like an overnight success or they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've suddenly sort of done really well. But nearly everyone's got 10 years behind them yeah. or, or that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it just doesn't happen overnight. It is a craft that you have to hone by doing right. your, your stage time and stuff. You and do, it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it takes time, but that is kind of part of the journey, I think, isn't it? Oh, most definitely, yeah, and 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 the the good times. I remember when I did um, Celebrity MasterChef, and I had to cook for all these um, guys. I got as far as the the last three, and um, had to cook for all these Michelin star chefs. And I remember only getting four of these desserts that I had to cook in uh, the in Michel Roux's restaurant. Um, and I only got four out of the five out. And Michael Keynes, the lovely um, chef, said to me, he said, you learn by your mistakes. It's the things that you get wrong that make you better. Um, and I thought that was great advice. Um, that you know, I could have done that when I, with that when I first started, because sometimes <laughs> you'd come off and think, oh, shall I give it up? You know, mm. I, I, I'd made in my head, I'd decided... If I haven't got anywhere by 30, I'm I'm not doing this anymore. And then I got onto telly, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that that shall I give up thing, I think that lingers for a while. Oh, a lot yeah. of people. Possibly never even goes away, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. You're living an uncertain 
existence. It's feast or famine what we do, isn't it? You know, I mean, I uh, I, w- I had a really good year last year. I'm, I'm, I'm in the situation that we have been in for the last two years. Yeah. Um, it's been awful, hasn't it? You know, we didn't know what live gigs, when that would happen. Um, our industry has really suffered um, because we are all freelance. Everybody, the creatives, the the you know the the people who perform and everybody in the industry you know yeah. was struggling i had a good year last year and then just now um i i'm looking at i'm, I'm snow blindness from my diary because i did have a I had a, a job, um, a musical, Fat Friends the Musical, that was supposed to be six months touring. And because of COVID, it's yeah. been taken off and we've lost mm-hmm. it. So, um, yeah, it's just, I think, yeah, we we often, I, my wife says, you're not saying you're giving up again or you'll <laughs> never work again. Again, are you? Because you know, <laughs> we, all, we all think it, you know, it yeah. happens all the time. Yeah, yeah that, well, it's comforting to hear, you know, you've been in the, the business for 50 odd years now, I guess guess and and it's yeah. comforting to hear that because yeah. I, I have similar conversations with my wife and i'm sure you do jim as well um like i go yeah. and get a proper job um whatever a proper job is yeah. Really. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah it's so it's, it's funny isn't it because it's really, really hard what just going back slightly what was it about doing impersonations that attracted you to that that kind of um style of comedy what was it that you enjoyed about doing that I think, again, going back to Butlins, when uh, we went that first year, they used to have um, a variety show on the Saturday night and they would have um, visiting guest artists. And there was this guy called Peter Kavanagh, who was, this was before Mike Yarwood hit the scene, Mm. um, and he was an impressionist and he kind of went to a a table of props and turned round, just kind of picked up a hat and and turned round and looked like somebody on on TV, like Jimmy Edwards from a show that was on then called Wacko, way before your time, guys, uh, <laughs> where he played a headmaster. He'd put up like a, you know, the mortarboard on his head and, and a big handlebar mustache turn around. And suddenly I was like, wow, he is Jimmy Edwards. Mm. So I was fascinated by that. And then yeah. I then, when Mike Yarwood hit the scene, I was just, I, I think like you did, you're listening to those people on TV do those impressions. And when you want to do something, like stand up um you don't you don't have your own style so to do impressions is an easier way in mm. you know to do tommy cooper or to you know to do michael crawford is a way to kind of take somebody's persona on um and and then kind of learn it through that i think it was a way for me i wanted to act i think and i think becoming other people mm. was was the easiest way in the and my way in I was gonna. I, I think you're right about stars. Like I see sort of new comics coming through now, and like even if they're doing stand up, some of them I think, oh, that's Ricky Gervais. Or, yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah. just see it. You, you see, see it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, absolutely. But, but maybe it's just part of the progress of just learning stagecraft and stuff yeah. and whatever. And then eventually you sort of find yeah. your voice and find yeah. yourself. But you know, going back to that sort of sliding doors moment of the of the pools victory and 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 the Butlins and stuff. Yeah. I, do you feel like you would have found your way into that kind of world? regardless obviously that was like a moment that allowed you to try but do you think you would have sort of drifted that way anyway i don't know that's a that's a really good question because it was so early for me mm, to yeah. um to found it um i think maybe i would i think that you know that i'm i'm not 
um, somebody who feels I have to perform all the time. You know, I, 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 I am Leslie Hesseltine most of the time. And um, when I go to the, to pick the kids up from school, I'm a dad at school. I'm not Les yeah. Dennis. I don't want to be Les Dennis. Yeah. I want to be, you know, the dad at school. And, you know, Les Dennis is a persona that, you know, um, if I, I, I become him when I have to, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, Leslie Hesseltine will shy away at parties and Les Dennis will do 20 minutes when the fridge door light comes on, you know, so. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. it's a good crowd. It's a good crowd. <laughs> it's a good crowd. Yeah. 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 So, so I think that's, um, whether I would have found it is, is a good question. And I'm going to ponder that when we, when we finish chatting. But um, I, uh, when I was at school, I was at school with Clive Barker, the horror writer oh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, who wrote the Hellraiser movies and the books of blood and all those amazing um, night breed. Some, yes. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, amazing writer and um, film director. And we were all, um, and Jude Kelly, who went on to run the um, South bank and the West Yorkshire playhouse. And we were in all the school plays together. So I think that had I um, not already started doing the clubs, I would have maybe um, thought about going to drama school. Right. Okay. So it would have sort of be. It would have been there, maybe. And yeah, but, yeah. But you just got your start earlier, I guess. You just sort of got that yeah. kick and that buzz earlier from uh, from that pool's victory. That's right. Yeah. From the <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, my dad winning that two hundred quid, and uh, yeah, we didn't get much use out of that cocktail cabinet. But boy, did, we... <laughs> <laughs> did I get a career? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was the, yeah. My parents had a co- my parents had a booze cabinet. I, it, I think it, there was a cocktail element to it. Possibly. There's but, always uh, yeah. a bottle of warnings in those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was an uh, advocar in ours because yes. my mum liked to snowball at Christmas. Yes, so I think it was yeah, you advocar and Stone's ginger wine. I think that was all that, that was in there. Yeah, <laughs> but just you, you're talking about sort of like the different, you know, as a performer, you got your different faces and your different masks and stuff. And did you feel a pressure sometimes that even when you are the dad at the school gate and you just want to be the dad at the school gate, that people think you might be less Dennis or you feel a Oh, maybe I do have to maybe turn it on a little bit now. Yeah, I mean, in certain social situations. Well, yeah, kind of. My wife um, is uh, head of the um, the Kings Friends of Kings for the school, so um, she will always come to me and say. What about if we did a family fortune? So, so Les Dennis has to appear at school occasionally, you know, to maybe raise money and and all that stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, the, I. I love it when when people in the playground say, oh, we came to see you in Hairspray. And they haven't talked about it before. They're really kind of, um, they let you have the uh, time. Who's the guy, the the lead singer of The Stone Roses? Because I think he's at our school, or maybe I shouldn't say that. Ian Brown. Brown. Yeah, Ian Brown. I think think he's, um, but he's very quiet and... um, not assuming, yeah. But people, this is the thing we had. We had Reece Shearsmith on from League of Gentlemen, and he he spoke a lot about what sort of being, you know, obviously being a performer, and and when he's working, being very good at that. But actually, in social yeah. situations, being very nervous and actually wanting to sort of shy away at parties. Yeah, and, and there is sometimes this real sort of difference between the external yes. performer and actually the, the well, person. It's, it's the person, yeah, and the yeah. perception that people have of you. Because yeah. they've seen you yeah. on TV and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's that thing as well when you're walking down the street and people go, smile. 
I saw that in in a Larry David where um, a Curb Your Enthusiasm where they asked him to smile in the street, but of course he can get away with like with yeah. swearing at them. But um, yeah, no, uh, I, you know you get that because people expect they maybe see you on TV and smiling away. Tim Vine uh, yesterday put a joke on on Twitter. He said, um, "Sometimes I feel like being Les Dennis uh, at Waterloo Station. I will put my arm round a stranger and look." at the departure board <laughs> <laughs> oh he's very good that's he very, very funny good. yeah yeah he is good yeah. yeah but i think it's funny that she's going back like the idea of putting you know obviously doing impersonations because you can you know and and that sort of love of acting and being able to put yourself in another person's skin for a while yeah i i, I think like funny enough it's something we've talked about before jim is that that vulnerability of being a, a comic when you're on stage because yeah. often you are talking about your own stuff sometimes yes. or your own experiences and it's quite interesting that it, it, some obviously some comedians like yourself decide to sort of go a slightly different route so you don't have to give up some yeah. of you on stage was was that a conscious thing do you think i think uh, you know i was just uh, i um i'm one of the last of i suppose the old style kind of variety comics you know so what we did was um an act you know we didn't even call it stand-up it was called <coughs> me act or i was a turn you know and i yeah. would do um a spot we didn't even call it i think comics call it a set don't they now <laughs> and that kind of yeah uh, so so i would i would kind of yeah i'd be les dennis um and and just tell gags um but i think i was thinking because and, and again, it didn't happen, but Phil McIntyre um, asked me to do a, a tour um, uh, a couple of years ago, a kind of 50 years of being Les Dennis. And I thought then that's the time to be retrospective and be me on stage and talk about the career and the funny stories that come out of it uh, rather than standing there and doing gags. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if I if I was starting now, I would be more 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 in that that style. Yeah. How does free wine sound? After a January that definitely lasted longer than scheduled and when Mother's Day creeping up on us, it's a perfect time for you to try your new favourite wine club, Wine52, for free. All you have to do is go to www.wine52.com slash blank and cover the postage cost of £5.95 and you'll get three bottles delivered to you. Wine52 is a discovery club all about showcasing the very best wine from a different region each and every month. This month, the Wine Odyssey takes us to the stunning north of Portugal. The, and I apologise for my accents here, Aduba by Quintas de Roman is a gorgeous white wine made from a blend of local grape varieties. Cheda Tinto from Lavradores de Fiatora is a vibrant, medium-bodied red. You have a choice of mixed red-only or white-only case and also included is a glug magazine which delves into each region's wine culture and two tasty snacks as well. After your free case, you'll join the monthly wine club, but there's no minimum commitment. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. So remember, that's www.wine52.com slash blank to claim your free case today. That's a nice idea, I guess, because you've built up such a sort of following and love from people that I think they would now want to hear the more retrospective stuff and the more 
personal stuff i think because you obviously over the years you've you know you've you've built up a, a following for people people love you and people have seen you do stuff so i think that's maybe that's a nice idea Mm, yeah, yeah, it would have to be 51 years of being less Dennis now. <laughs> or 50 years plus COVID. Yeah, <laughs> just 50 years plus, and then you just leave it like that. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. ambiguous. That's right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about it, but then I think, oh, well, all the big guys are out there, aren't they? Now everybody's fighting for touring space right now, so I think, yeah. will people come? But then that's what how we always feel, don't we? We yeah. always worry, will, will an audience turn up? You know, we're, we're so I still have imposter syndrome. You know, I did a season at the RSC a couple of years ago. And I remember on that first day going in and thinking, oh, my God, I'm not trained. You know, I, I, I had trained myself in the sense that I had when I when I did Family Fortunes, I was lucky that, you know, it only took three weeks a year of the year to do that series. And that then allowed me to fund myself to go and do a play for equity minimum yeah. um, at, at the uh, Watermill in Newbury. You know, um, only David Hare's Skylight, Baptism by Fire, um, or go to the um, Oldham Coliseum and do Misery. So um, I, I feel like I have trained or rather you know learn to craft um working along direct alongside directors and um and writers and other actors but when i went to the rsc on that first day and i thought all these actors are so you know classically trained you know they've been to all the big drama skills um i was so nervous on that day and then i, I sat next to caroline quentin and she reminded me she said i feel exactly the same she started on the end of the pier dancing with bernie clifton in Pan in summer season so wow. you know you know that that Imposter syndrome, I think, well, it certainly has never left me. You know, mm. I always think, oh, you know, can I do this? Oh, it's something that comes up a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I think everybody we've talked to has probably had some level of imposter syndrome, yeah. which is very comforting because yeah. I know Jim and I have it as well. Most times <laughs> I start these conversations that kicks in. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, so I'm feeling it as we're speaking. But it, it, it's very true. And I think a lot of creatives do. And I think, but also I think, Sometimes at a low level, that can be quite useful for us as creatives because I think yeah. sometimes it does drive us on a little bit to do to do things or maybe uh, face the fear sometimes on on, on projects that maybe we yeah. wouldn't necessarily do if we were if we didn't have a little bit of that. I think this last couple of years has brought out creativity from people in unexpected ways. We've had to find ways to 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 reinvent, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, and I think creatives are having to find different avenues to do. I mean, I know you've done all sorts of different things, but I think we, yeah, as creatives, we are having to find other paths to, yeah. to, 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 to creativity and uh, open ourselves up to new avenues and new uh, new adventures. Um, yeah. Uh, this, not to sound too grandiose, but yeah, a, a different way of thinking about stuff so that we can actually still keep creating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You are amazing on uh, Twitter, I have to say. You know, the kind of, the, the, it feels like I will always, maybe I'll be feeling low about something and you will put something out that will boost my day. And I feel lots of people really feel that about what you do yeah. on Twitter. It's oh, amazing. 
That's very kind of you to say, Les. I really appreciate that. And uh, it always seems to come. It's as if you've got a sixth sense. Like <laughs> maybe Les is having a bad day. Oh, oh thanks, Giles. That really helped. Oh, that's that's lovely, lovely to hear. And I, yeah, I hope I hope that is the case because yeah, it's yeah, and it and it honestly genuinely comes from the heart. I really yeah. I, I have had a. That's the funny thing about social media. I've had a fairly good experience of social media and i know a lot of people find it it can be quite challenging um but i've met so many amazing people people like yourself and uh it's yeah i just feel like kind of i feel very grateful for that so it's a it's kind of my way of giving back a little bit do you enjoy social media is it something that you enjoy being part of i do i'm you know i'm lucky i don't get too much trolling you know um occasionally i'll get something but i always i love what james blunt does on on he's hilarious you know he he just kind of deflects it in the best way you know when he put up recently about the spotify yeah um, oh so good yeah (laughs) so good so good yeah randomly i I don't I don't follow you, Jim, yet, so I must. Um, uh, so, uh, do you use it much? Yes, I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm not as good as Giles at putting out the positive uh, messages. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't, uh, if that's what you're looking for, maybe uh, don't hit the follow button. I don't button. know, Jim. You're no, it's all right. mostly, I mostly use it for sort of work purposes and jokes and stuff like that, and sort right. of testing yeah. jokes out and stuff. Um, but no, I think Giles is uh, what he does. I think Giles is probably the best actually at, at that kind of thing. Mm. And, a lot of people come on the podcast and, and say similar things. Um, randomly with James Blunt, I actually used to live in, in Streatham in South London. I lived with James Blunt's drummer. Well, wow. Very random, okay. yeah. Session yeah. drummer called Simon. Who, uh, but he, it's a claim he's, to fame, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a claim. It, do you know what? It's a loose claim to fame, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, but he was saying, yeah, that what James Blunt is, 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 is as funny off Twitter as he is on and apparently he's yeah. a very, very nice guy. I um, met him. I met him very briefly um, years ago uh, in Verbia, um, and it was on New Year's Eve. And he was, we were in this um, club, uh, and he got up and sang. Um, and I just started going out with my now wife Claire, and um, he was singing, you know, beautiful the song, yeah. the, the hit. Mm. And I remember it was coming. It was just before midnight, and I remember um, calling her, and because we we uh, I was I was on holiday with some mates, and we'd only just met that that year. Um, so I, I remember calling her and said, "Listen to this," <laughs> and at, just at the point that I put the the phone to the, him singing, he said he sang, "And I'll never be with you." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no! I don't mean that. Please, no. I'm, I'm, I'm in, it's James Blunt. It really is him. <laughs> I've arranged for James Blunt to sing that one specific <laughs> yeah. line. To you. Yeah, yeah. Take the hint. Um, <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's very funny. Um, so you met, obviously you started doing the Russ Abbott show in '82. Is that where you met yeah. Dustin as well? Was that we had met very briefly on uh, a show in the '70s called "Who Do You Do," which was a, a show for impressionists um, that kind of featured Freddie Starr as the star of it. Little and Large were on. Peter Goodright, who was a great impressionist, um, kind of around the same mm. time as uh, as Mike Yarwood, um, and uh, Dustin was on that, and I was on it, and we I, we didn't work together. We just met because he was. In the 70s, Dustin G was a name in the clubs. Um, 
and he could fill a club for a week, you know, like the mm. the, the clubs in Liverpool, like the Walkie Hollow and Batley Variety Club and Wakefield Theatre Club. He could fill those clubs without any television reputation. He was mm. such wow. a good um, stage performer that he built up kind of in the way that Billy Connolly had. He built yeah. up that kind of audience that uh, went to see him. Oh, he, he's amazing. Let's go and see him. Mm. He used to have a, this poster that I've still got, um, which is amazing, of all, him in all different guises. And you've got to kind of um, uh, spot and, and say which impression he was doing there. He was such a good visual impressionist. You know, again, he could go to that props table turn round with a cowboy hat on and Robert Mitchum was in front of you. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He, wow. He'd walk forward with the, with the cigarette um, hanging from his mouth and say, I can't do the voice. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, so, sorry to interrupt you, Les. There's a great, um, I think it's n- probably around 1984, you did, it was the Royal Variety performance. Yes. And you guys yeah. did it. And the Robert Mitchum where you sort of pushed his... Oh, dimple in the yeah, team. Right. yeah. The yeah. dimple, of course. Yeah, I used to push the dimple in and he'd become it. Kirk Douglas. That's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Robert Mitchum to, to yeah. Kirk Douglas. I'd forgotten that. But yeah. Larry Grayson, again, he could, you know, he could just put in a, a set of teeth and a and, um, pair of glasses on and, and he'd turn around and he and he was Larry Grayson. Um, so he had that reputation. So when I met him um, on Who Do You Do, I was like, I was a bit in awe. Uh, and then when Russ Abbott's Madhouse, um, when I was offered that, I remember saying to my agent, who was Dustin's agent as well, I said, I don't know where I'm going to stay in London. I don't think I can afford to stay in London. He said, well, call Dustin because he rents a, a service flat. Um, so I called him and he said, I'll come and see you tomorrow night, love. Um, I was in Panto with Russ in Stockport. He said, I'll come to see you tomorrow night. I'm just watching the Betty Davis film, love. I'm, I'll call, I'll see you tomorrow. I've always been a bit, he's not, he's not sure he wants to do this. But he came to the dressing room door. Um, and I remember, you know, to this day, how imposing he was in this Harris tweed jacket, very kind of nicely dressed, tall, imposing he looked like robert mitchum he had that kind of movie star look and he had a bottle of liebfrau milk in his, in his, <laughs> his hand. and and he said i come bearing gifts and literally you know there was nothing more prophetic because he he did you know that from that day when we started working on the Rasabat show and by accident they put us together in a in a mavis and and vera sketch and that just started to to build and then we uh, got us a, a, a pantomime with Russ and we went as ugly sisters uh, and we were working out, you know, normally ugly sisters would kind of work out before the ball, how they were going to go, what they would wear. We were um, discussing who we'd go as. So it became an impressionist <laughs> show. Yeah. And that something just clicked with an audience and we got our own TV show uh, and it just all happened so quickly. But he was so generous. It, it was originally in that panto. It said Dustin G in big letters and Les Dennis um, in smaller letters. Um, and I got a call from my agent, Mike Hughes, and he said, um, uh, I want you to come and see me. So I went to see him. He said, Dustin's a bit upset. And I thought, oh, no, what? Have I done something? He said, he's upset that um, you are on half his money. Uh, so he wants you to have parity of pay. Wow. And so he gave me he he um gave me the money that would make up that we were Aww. earning as a double act. Wow. And also he said, uh, 
it doesn't sound right. Les Dennis and Dustin G is better than Dustin G and Les Dennis. It sounds better. So he was just amazingly generous and just, I miss him to this day. He was a great guy. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful that's story. Yeah. Mm. I, I think just meeting those collaborators that you yeah. know, you know yeah. that it, it's just sudden something clicks between you yeah. and you've got that yeah. wonderful chemistry that must yeah. be, yeah, it must be a very wonderful thing. And, well, when you think that, you know, he was already established and, and he was a star and he was taking me on as a rookie comic and he brought me up to that level and not only brought me up to that level, but swapped around the billing, you know, yeah. in my favour. Yeah, amazing. And it's... and we worked with, we were on that um, uh, fateful Tommy Cooper um, Live from Her Majesty's. We were the next act on. Oh, right. We yeah. were, wow. So we were in the wings when Tommy collapsed on stage and the audience laughed and and, and the producer in the, uh, in the wings, David Bell, turned to Tommy's son and said, is that a joke? And he said, no, my dad has a bad back. He couldn't get up from that. Mm. And they went, cue commercial break, cue music. And then they said to us, are you ready to go on? Because they had to pull Tommy behind the, the tabs and um, and then the paramedics could see to him. So we went on live TV uh, and performed and did, weirdly, it was, a, it was a big night for us. I think the audience needed to feel, oh, right, we're back in now. Yeah. And, and, and we were back in and, uh, and, and it was a good night for us. And it kind of got us going into our, we got our own TV show, um, and but it was it was short lived. And Dustin that night said, "That's the way I'd like to go." And then two years later, in Southport, he collapsed um, in in the dressing room and went into a coma and died two days two days after that. So you know, I mean, you've oh. got to be careful what you wish for, or don't work with me. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, Les. I mean, that must have been really hard to go on and yeah, perform yeah. after, you know, after seeing Tommy collapse. and Yeah, it, yeah. well, you know, I mean, it, it was one of those kind of weird situations. We, we were stood there in the wings and thinking, right, well, they'll uh, black out the show and they will go to a, a commercial break. Well, there was a commercial break anyway, but mm. they, we thought what they'd do then is go, we can't return to that, to the show we will have a, a, a an episode of the professionals or whatever was big at that time. Right. And, um, and, but instead, um, Jimmy was on stage with David Bell and they were chatting and they said, are you guys ready to go on? And so the commercial break ended and we were on. So it was kind of like, we didn't, it was that, that show must go on thing, you know, yeah. which I, I don't actually believe in. I call my show, my, I call my autobiography, must the show go on? Because, you know, I, you know, too many times I've done that, you know, the night my dad died and the, the day after Dustin died, I was kind of coaxed into going on and, and working with Jim Bowen came in and, and took over the role, uh, which was weird, him in, in dresses, um, in the top, the, Dustin had worn. You know, I I think sometimes the that maxim of the show must go on. We don't allow ourselves to grieve. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah. Well, yeah. I think yeah, you're, you're right. I think in generally in life, we you know yeah. we don't allow yeah. that that space and time. Yeah. For yeah. ourselves, and and I guess also maybe it's a very uh, British kind of thing. There's the the whole you know sort of stiff upper lip and that you know the kind yeah. of crack on carry on yeah. you know and i yeah. think um you know uh, it's not <laughs> the problem with those, with that 
doing that is that at some point it's going to come out. It um, is absolutely, and it's going to be far worse. Yeah, yeah, it is exactly, and and things crashed and burned around me for quite a while after that because of those um, decisions to to not stop and think. You know, I I was coaxed into look, the show has to go on because all the other members of the cast um, will be out of work. The audiences are coming, and I thought I was, afterwards I thought, yeah, the show did have to go go on but they could have recast me as well mm. you know i needed yeah. to to grieve my friend yeah um who who'd gone suddenly you know and that's a weird sort of guilt trip almost that you're sort of put into mm. there when you need yeah. a bit of self-care you, yeah. need, you know grieving yeah. is, is self-care that time yeah. and i think people maybe find that hard to do sometimes but you need I think to we're better look at after it yourself now. i think we're better at it now don't you i think you know kind of yeah people are much more aware of mental health than they were then and uh and, and it's a good thing that we are you know yeah yeah absolutely i, I, I on, on the back of that i was just thinking um some of my favorite moments and, and it goes back to that um that raw variety performance, which we we had on VHS, I think we must have recorded it. So <laughs> Did you? We, we used to watch it a lot, you see. So that's yeah, why I, I remember remember <laughs> yeah. that. But it was something that happened with you uh, quite a lot, actually. You know, rewatching some of your old after shows, is that it, you actually the two of you corpsing quite a lot when you're <laughs> when you're performing, which is which yes. is, I always think adds another layer of humour to it, yeah. and uh, certainly lots of kind of mishaps with moustaches falling off. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it seems to happen quite a lot. But again, it shows that. That lovely chemistry between you, I think, you know, it's something that I know like Pete and Dad had in those, yeah. in, in, you know, where they, I think they used to sort of try and make each other laugh during yeah. performing. And I, I wondered if you had a similar kind of thing where you were. We, d- we did. I mean, kind of, we, we loved working together so much. We were mates. We, you know, we, we just get on, got on so well um, that it was, it was a joy to be on stage. And of course you try and make each other laugh. And because that, that idea of, Sometimes it is maybe a, a corpse that you've set up, and but mm. you know how to work it. Yeah. Um, and other times it's spontaneous. Um, but the audience do feel, as long as they're involved, as long as you're not... I've seen too many people on stage having a laugh together, mm, you yeah. know, and, and, and excluding the audience, and I hate that. So, you know, I, ju- I just did um, Hairspray with Michael Ball, and, and we, as Edna and Wilbur have that kind of chemistry where, again, when we do Timeless to Me, we are having a great time and a great laugh, but we don't exclude the audience. It's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a one, I love that, that feeling as a member of an audience thinking they can't do it for laughing. They can't do yeah. it for laughing. It's, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. So, and, and it is, it's infectious. So it was, it was lovely, but um, there was a time, I remember we only had one round, Dustin and I, and that was um, when we were in Blackpool, um, I, on the first night, the opening night, he had a heart condition. He had cardiomyopathy, um, but he wanted to, he loved what he did. We did the first night, the opening night in Blackpool, and we got to the interval, um, and he said, I don't feel too well. It was go, the show was going a storm. We were top of the bill at the North Pier, um, house full signs, um, and um, he just, came off and said, I don't feel well. And they called the doctor and the doctor said, I think you've had a, a, a heart attack. 
Wow. And Dustin was like, and he said, I need you to, to get, and the, it was the North Pier was the longest pier in, in Britain. And, you know, to get an ambulance, the end of mm. the North Pier took a while because they had to come down the boards of the pier. Um, and uh, they, he said, no, I'm going back on. I'm finishing the show. And he finished the show and then was taken to hospital. And I had to go and see the dignitaries and all the people at the party and explain, oh, Dustin's, you know, he's had to do something, had to kind of um, kind of bluff it and just yeah. say, no, he's fine. Um, and he was in hospital for three weeks then. And then when he came out and came back to the show, um, I think he felt uh, he was so, uh, he loved what we did. But he was insecure about the fact that I'd managed to carry on on my own, I think. Which, uh, if you if you watch the movie, um, the Stan and Laurel, Stan and Ollie mm, movie, mm, yeah. you see that when um, when Oliver Hardy's in hospital, they, there's that, I thought, wow, that's very similar to what happened with us. And he we, we fell out over something. And to the point that it, one night we're on, on stage and we weren't talking. And I remember it was awful. We were doing our act. And we weren't having what you had mentioned, mm. the, you know, that that joy, yeah. the yeah. the the kind of absolute um, infectious joy uh, that the audience loved as much. We we were just going through the motions. The audience didn't notice. We were just doing an act. And I remember coming off and thinking to myself, if this was to carry on, I couldn't do this anymore. And it was over a stupid little thing that, you know, like he just felt insecure. And once mm. we realized that and we talked about it, we were back and we were, you know, as powerful as ever. And that was the only time we ever fell out. But I mean, I think double acts can have that situation. Mm, yeah. It is like a marriage, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's an intense, it's an intense working relationship yeah. and friendship yeah. all blended yeah. in together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I did um, Richard Herring's uh, podcast and, and talked about that. And he said, I wish my partner had died. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <that's> <laughs> yes. Stuart Lee has gone on to do some quite good stuff, hasn't he? But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So obviously you've come back. I mean, you've, you've been in the industry for so long now, but you've done so many different things. And obviously you've done lots of TV work. What? And I'd like to talk to you about your theatre work as well in a bit. But yeah. you went obviously did started doing more TV presenting. And, and, and was that, was it good in a way to be able to do something slightly different after, obviously after um, Dustin's tragic Jeff and, and, and maybe moving on to doing something different from the, from the comedy stuff? Was that, was that, again, was that something that... Um, was a conscious decision to do something very different. With hindsight, it was a great thing to do because I did Family Fortunes for 15 years. But mm. the year after Dustin had died, um, I started my solo um, act again, which I'd done for 10 years, sure, 15 yeah, yeah. years before yeah. Dustin. But audiences kind of, I think, you know, Eric Morecambe had just died. And and I think they, they felt that... Uh, uh, somebody who'd been in double act would not be able to cope on their own. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think, you know, Ernie was, I think Eric would have had as hard a time on his own uh, if he'd been the survivor yeah. as, as, um, as Ernie did. Um, uh, because I think, you know, that's, they, they had been entrenched. They'd worked together since they were kids. Yeah. So I knew that I could do something on my own, but I had to prove it. And it was difficult to prove it to audiences coming along to see me. I did my first, 
uh, week at the Alexander Theatre with uh, with the Crankies, the wonderful Crankies. And um, I think after the first night, we decided the Crankies should top the bill and I should go to um, support. And, and I thought, oh, I'm going backwards here. I've got to somehow prove to an audience that I can, that I can do this on my own. Um, and Family Fortunes came out of the blue. And I remember thinking, I'm not sure that's for me. I don't, I've never worked with the public you know, I've never done that hosting before. And I had to learn on the job, literally. Yeah. You know, if if it if it was now, I think I would have been <laughs> I would have been axed after the first series. You know, it was I we had to do 26 shows in three weeks. And wow. I had my blueprint was I'd watched Bob and I'd watched Max Biograves. And I, I thought I'm going to go the way Bob Monkhouse does it because he he's brilliant and he had called me and um, passed on the baton, which was he was a lovely man. Yeah. And um, I remember thinking, well, I've got to do a joke for every contestant. So my first series, I've got gag writers, you know, um, writing things for me to say something to everybody. And I, it was only as the series progressed that I thought the comedy's got to come organically out of the stupidity yeah. of the answers yeah. and out of yeah. my connection with the person rather than doing a gag. And um, that's eventually I learned that. But I think... Um, 15 years of doing it uh, was was a great a great thing to do you know it was it was it had me on tv every saturday night yeah and i could then go to the watermill and do her you know um hairspray no i could go to the water <laughs> watermill and do skylight do something else that you know i've always um there was when I did The Adams Family a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, um, The Guardian wrote, in the long, strange career of Les Dennis, he makes yet another left turn. And I took that as, as a positive and a, yeah. as, as a, you know, because left turns, you'll go full circle if you keep turning left. So, um, you know, I, I always try to push myself and do something that's scary that I've never done before did opera last year so you know. oh wow yeah you did the, hms pinafore right yeah at yeah. the eno which Amazing. was incredible just a great great experience you know to be backstage with opera singers and nobody says break a leg they say toy 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 so <laughs> <laughs> i've learned that now toy 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 and i'm toy 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 to you <laughs> i think that's beautiful i love the thing about the turning left and coming full circle or full yeah. square i guess yeah um, probably yeah, it's, yeah that's really nice i think Sorry, my shapes mixed. Um, I think that's kind of the, the, I guess, the secret to a sort of long career. Now, obviously, we, we lost Barry Cryer recently, and you know, a, a, oh, a lovely yeah. guy, but he was someone who would, every time there was comedy progress and there were new acts, he would embrace them and work with yeah. them and want to use that as a way to improve himself. And I think that's, and you've clearly done the same. You're going into different industries, you're learning on the job. And I think that is the secret of a long career, isn't it? Being yeah. open to these kind of things Absolutely. and being ready for the next left turn. I remember being at um, a BBC Light Entertainment Christmas party in the, uh, when would it have been? It was kind of 80s. And uh, there was me and Dustin and Little and Large and Russ and all of us lot on one side, one side of the room. And uh, the other side of the room were Rick uh, and Aid and the Young Ones and Ben yeah. Elton and yeah. French and Saunders. And, and we weren't talking. We were all kind of like in separate groups <laughs> until um, the Kofi Annan of comedy, Barry Cryer, <laughs> was in the middle of the room and got us together he did absolutely bridge those gaps yeah. and was 
so inclusive of everybody and so welcoming to young comics. We have lost, I mean, Barry, uh, when he's done that podcast with his son, Bob, which uh, he's done about seven or eight of them, and I've listened to them, and they're amazing. Um, you know, for for Barry to to get a new career in a new, a new uh venture yeah. podcasts um which he said what something that pays less than radio <laughs> um, has been amazing to have for us to have it and he keeps talking when he when he talks does an anecdote about somebody he says and the great man said but i think barry was the great man without without yeah. you know without well we did know it i think it's that i yeah. when barry died i remember i was singing in my head um big yellow taxi because don't you all don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got yeah. till it's gone mm. you know he, he was a he was a giant i think absolutely yeah. he was going on to the um the the musical theater stuff which you obviously do yeah. more of that must that i mean obviously it's incredibly fun to do i'm sure yeah but um what sort of led you down that path is it something you'd always had a hankering to do I got thrown out of the choir when I was at school. So, um, <laughs> I think I just was didn't want to be in the choir, and I kind of sang off key. But um, I, I, my first musical was me and my girl back in 1991, um, and I remember I'd been to see that when Robert Lindsay was in it, and I remember sitting in the audience watching him and Emma Thompson tap dance uh, to the song "Me and My Girl." on the table in the stately home. And I remember, which was the set, and I remember looking and thinking, oh, I would love to do that. Mm. So that when I got to do it, I never got bored. I did it for a year. So when I was on that stage, tap dancing, looking down to where I had been, I was always like, don't get bored. Don't, you know, think, oh, it's another show. We've got two today. Just remember, you were out there wishing for this. So that was my first introduction to musical theatre. But even, you know, still whenever, even though I've done it loads, people go, do you sing? I carry a tune. You know, I I wouldn't get my... I mean, people were like, you're doing opera? But, you know, when you're playing the the comic um, patter... Uh, songs the the the, the um, I was the ruler of the Queen's Navy, Sir Joseph Porter. Yeah. The Gilbert and Sullivan wrote for um, comic singers, um, comic baritones. So, um, and I, I think there was a guy called George Grossman who was the first one to play uh, that part, the uh, ruler of the Queen's Navy. And when he went to them, and he said, "I think you need a fine singer with a fine voice for this," and Gilbert said. That's exactly what we don't want. So, um, <laughs> so you you know, I I carry a tune and I you know I sing okay, I'm all right, and but I love it. I love being on stage with other people, whether it's in a play or it's musical theatre. I think all those years of going around working men's clubs and sitting in a dressing room on my own, because I used to go out and sit in amongst the audience to begin with, but then you learn very quickly that if you played bingo between your spots and you won if you were to win your second spot was shit (laughs) that's our money so and he's getting paid and he's won the bingo so all all those years of sitting in those dressing rooms on my own and and traveling around the the clubs it's it's a lonely life because you don't work with other comics or you well comics now do i think because Mm. it's a comedy club but in those days you'd be working with a group 
or um, a singer. And so that I love now being part of a company, being amongst other actors. It's just a great joy. That's lovely to hear, and, and and you know we talk about collaboration a lot on this podcast, and it and it's what fueled the pod in in the start with with Giles and I sort of coming together, and yeah, we didn't know each other that well, but we've become sort of really good mates through doing the podcast, and I think yeah, we are as humans, we are sort of social beings, aren't we? And I think we crave that collaboration even yes. just in our lives. If we can then bring it into our professional lives as well, I think it's almost like the beauty of sort of being human. Yeah, yeah, and you two, you you never kind of talk over each other you somehow know when one should chat and it's it's brilliant it's lovely it's complete luck, it's complete <laughs> luck. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing it just somehow it works how did you guys meet we're both crystal palace football fans uh, okay yeah right. so uh, that's how it how it started really jim does a podcast about the the, the club and uh yeah right. so yeah and i listened to the podcast and thought oh he'd yeah. be He'd be handy to have on board. Yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> I don't really uh, know what I'm doing. I'll get someone who does. <laughs> Four years later, we're still here. Was it was it Palace that um, Steve Koppel yes. managed? Yeah. Yeah, I went to school with him. Did you? Oh, yeah. wow. oh, of course. Yeah. He's from that area, isn't he? Yeah, I always yeah. forget he's yeah. from there. He was, and, and Brian Barwick, who went on to run the, the, FA, the FA for a while. We were, yeah. So, yeah, I, I never made the A-team. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm guessing Steve was probably quite good at quite good at football by that point. He was yeah. he was good at that at that point, yeah. And um and I think he was the first footballer that went to university. Do you remember? He was yes, like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, he was very Steve Koppel yeah. went to Liverpool University. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a big yeah. talking point, wasn't it? That yeah. he was a bright footballer. Yeah. Um, so do you go to the match together? We have been to games together, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. a few times. Yeah, I think Josh's going to use my season ticket in a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, I'm hoping to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was just going back to the um, musical theatre stuff, and obviously you talked, you sort of touched on the fact that, you know, the imposter syndrome stuff. Do you, uh, to sort of alleviate that pressure on yourself, do you, what's the preparation like when you're starting a new show? Are you really all in? on it uh yeah i i really throw myself in i you know i i have a singing teacher um i'm should just keep up with her when i'm not working but i always think right i've got a job right, yeah, let's, go yeah, to, yeah. let's go and see janet janet edwards she's brilliant and um so she she kind of takes me through my paces and gets me back into scales and stuff and um so i you know in any job i feel you know i i want to be on it from the beginning i'm not somebody who thinks i've got to know my lines on the first day um because i think it's a for me the collaboration and the the process in the room is so important yeah. you know that um that if you learn them in a certain way you've got to kind of unlearn them you know i remember um, I remember doing art with uh, the wonderful Chris Casanova and John Dottine. And um, John had um, kind of learnt it. And my character was called um, Ivan. 
but in, in, it's written Y-V-A-N. So he had a real long time kind of undoing Ivan. You know, he, he thought <laughs> yeah. I was Ivan. So, so I think sometimes, for me, I, I like that collaboration in a room. So I, I prepare, but I don't. I read and read and read it rather than learning it and because I think the learning process is very much within, if you've got the luxury of three to four weeks. I'm yeah. doing. I can't tell tell you when, but I'm doing the uh, Who Done It. I don't know whether you've heard of this at oh, the Finsbury yes. Park um, Park Theatre. Yes, Tams in Alfite put a post up today, and because right, I, okay. I think she's doing it, and it's all yeah, improv. We, we can't we can't say when we're doing it. They've got. I mean, right. I mean, amazing <laughs> company. Tams in Emma Thompson's doing one. Uh, Ian McKellen's doing one. Jonathan Price is doing one. I'm the only one I haven't heard of. And, um, <laughs> and, and what you do, I, I will literally, on the day I do it, um, the, the rest of the cast have all learned this who done it. you know, kind of Agatha Christie drawing room um, thriller. And uh, I will go in at 6 o'clock on the evening and uh, be given an earpiece that's right. Yeah, and you have yeah, to yeah. go on, and you are fed your lines oh, wow. to, to solve the murder. So, Amazing! So I, I, it's it's to raise funds for the Finsbury Park, um, the Park Theatre, which is a great venue. I did um, the the wonderful Danny Robbins. I did his um, one of his early plays, the um, End of the Pier, uh, which was about a great um, uh, play about racism and comedy um and the, the kind of old school and the new school it was really an interesting piece that we did a few years ago that's amazing i mean it sounds like I'm, yeah amazing uh no when i saw tamsin put up about it, I was like, that sounds really cool it's great that you're doing it as well yeah yeah, really yeah. fantastic yeah. les it's been such a pleasure to talk to you honestly a real privilege to have you on the so much, yeah, yeah. So what's next, Les? Obviously, you, you, you've got all these things going on. So do you want to do more stage stuff or, you know, what, what are you open to lots of different projects? I've got a film coming into Have the you? cinemas. Oh, amazing. Into, wow. the, amazing. into the cinemas. In fact, um, somebody posted the other day that there's a poster of it next to the um, Death on the Nile poster in Cardiff already. Um, March the 11th. Um, and uh, when does this go out? Will we? Will we yeah, be, be around that, that time. Before actually, that. Yeah, well, before that. March the 11th in cinemas, um, a film called Sideshow, which we made just before um, lockdown. And, it, you know, it's only now getting a, but it is getting a cinema release. I play a washed up psychic who is kidnapped by two incompetent uh, kidnappers, um, April Pearson, who people would know from Skins, um, and Nathan Clark play, he's hilarious, play these two people who are kidnapping me. And my agent is Anthony Head. So it's oh, amazing. Just, so it's got a great cast. It, yeah. And it's a, it's a kind of claustrophobic um just a few sets to uh, one. Well, I won't give away too much, mostly in, in a house. Um, and it's a kind of British dark kind of Ealing style comedy, I think, but, uh, but funny. And I'm, I'm thrilled that that's getting a cinema release. Oh, and Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not easy these days. No, it's no, not. So that's no, fantastic yeah, no. that you're getting, yeah, you're getting, yeah. getting it shown in some screens. That's wonderful. Um, and so that's coming out. And then I would love to do some more. I I, I did the RSC year and that was, uh, I did restoration comedy and tragedy, which was fantastic. But I still um, have on my bucket list to do Shakespeare. I haven't done Shakespeare, so I'd love to do that. That's oh, amazing. That would be yeah. great. That would be and great. of course, the um, 52 
Uh, yeah. Les Des's yeah. 52 yeah. tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That was Le- great. Yeah, oh, Les, it's been such a treat to talk to you. Thank you so much and for you your time. Re- really um, enjoyed it. And, um, and yeah. we haven't yeah. heard cement going into No, it's been fine. <laughs> no, we timed it well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Les. Thank yeah, you thank so you much. so thank much. You. Cheers, guys. Well, there you go. Les Dennis on the Blank Podcast. Uh, what a lovely guy. Very easy to talk to. And just uh, lots of great advice for performers in general, really. That kind of resilience and, and diversification and, and sort of being open-minded was great. Loved the bit about keep turning left because you'll mm-hmm. sort of come you'll come full circle or full square uh, eventually, which I think is lovely advice. And um, yeah, just uh, as I said, sort of iconic figure, really. So we appreciate him giving us our time, uh, his time to come on the podcast and, and, and chat to us. And um, yeah, absolutely top man. So I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did chatting to him, especially that extra bonus content for our patrons as well. Yeah. I mean, you, it's not easy to last in a, in show business for 50 yeah. years, is it? You know, yeah. and he's been yeah. working for 50 years in, in the industry that he loves. And, you know, that is an incredible achievement to be able to yeah. do that. And, uh, you know, and also someone who wants to keep learning and doing new th- things. So, yeah, huge props to to Les for um, for doing that and and for still having this like wonderful career. So yeah, and it was honestly like you said, real joy to talk to him. Lovely guy. I need to go and close my door because I can hear it. I think Storm Eunice has actually arrived because oh, my, uh, my cabin door is slamming. So can I have two seconds just to go and close? Go this, do this that, and I will tell. Yeah, this is live, okay. live blank, this is live blankness. storm dealing with. So I'll be back in live <laughs> blankness. Back in two seconds. Anyway, we'd like to. Lo- we well, we always love to hear from our listeners. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can. We are at Blank Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and we'd love to hear your messages of support. Hopefully, I was just telling everyone while you were out of the room to to message us. Oh, please. I'm probably going to tell you to troll me or something. Or yeah. Some, some sort of yeah, please prank. send some abuse to Jim. <laughs> no, please do message us. Yeah, we, we love getting your tweets and your Apple reviews and, and, and hearing from you. However you want to contact us, because mm. it's lovely to hear. And if you want extra content, please sign up to our Patreon. Indeed, patreon.com slash blank podcast. And I, th- I think as well, we should say, please, I mean, by this point, hopefully Storm Eunice has gone. Mm. Um, if she's still around, something's gone very wrong because it's about mm. three weeks in the future. Um, but uh, we hope you were safe and, yes. and well because it is, uh, it's got more blustery in the last few minutes out here. So, uh, yes, we hope everyone uh, is doing okay. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Sending lots of thoughts to anyone who's been affected by the by storm units um yeah, yeah it's a tough time for some people on the on the west, certainly on the west coast where it's hitting first so yeah we yeah. we we're, uh, our thoughts are with you if you've had any challenging moments and um yeah hopefully everyone's okay and safe absolutely um and that's it Giles. i think that's the end of this this pod so i think uh, it is yeah <laughs> Uh, listen thank you that was such a resigned yeah should we just not bother anymore should we just like <laughs> just no i just meant like it's the end of this one i didn't mean like the end of yeah. the whole show oh thank god um that's no, been a lovely one been mm. an absolutely lovely one um thank you to les for coming on and for his time really appreciate it thank you to our patrons for support we love you and if you fancy joining our little patron team please do sign up uh thank you giles as well for uh, you know this this collaboration continues 
Yes, thank you, Jim. I know we, we talked about it on the podcast, and it's very nice to for you to bring that up. Yeah, well, it's 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 what makes this pod, you know, collaboration between you and me, collaboration with our guests. Uh, it's all you know. It's all what makes it happen. So uh, I appreciate it. Me too. Um, and that's it. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe if you are getting blown around by uh, by storm units. And uh, we'll see you again next week on the Blank Podcast with another uh, well-known person talking about their blank. <laughs> but until then, I can't remember what the what the, the line is. Um, but until then. Goodbye and stay safe. Bye. One of the uh, FYP patrons, part of their... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Thank you.